0: We came across this song, and it said Midnight Plane to Houston. We said, hmm, we like the way the storyline goes. So we came up with Midnight Train to Georgia. That sounds better. Singer
1: Gladys Knight. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Midnight Plane to Houston? No, it just doesn't sound right, does it? And in her 1997 memoir, Gladys Knight explains how she and the Pips came up with Midnight Train to Georgia instead. And also, in the interview you're about to hear, she tells about the connection that, of all people, Danny Thomas has to another great Gladys Knight and the Pips hit song. So here now, from 1997, Gladys Knight. How did you decide the time was right to write a book?
0: I always go by the people. I, I'm a people person, okay? And um, in the beginning, uh, I had started <laughs> this project about 11, 12 years ago, and uh, my publisher was not uh, encouraging as far as my first draft was concerned. And I think what was happening at that time, with all due respect to them, Um, society was somewhere else 11, 12 years ago. And you must remember, this is the age, the beginning of the talk show era. And most of them were based at that time on sensationalism. Okay. And I think that they were looking on the book, um, playground as well for that kind of autobiography, maybe. And there were a lot of autobiographies coming about, coming about at that time. That were like that, you know, these great discoveries.
1: How and, much dirt can you dish?
0: Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and so that kind of fell through the cracks. And then I started having people about four, maybe four or five years ago start telling me, uh, and you, you should do your book. And I'm saying, yeah, right. I wouldn't even mention the fact that I had started one. Okay. And Alex Haley was one of those people before he passed away. And he was saying at that time that if he had had time, he would have loved to have been, you know, the person that helped me write my book. And I was so excited about that. And, and other people that I really respect, Maya Angelou as well, uh, we talked about doing my book, and, and her schedule did not permit. But from that, I kind of start getting a feeling again that maybe I should do a book. And, um... And then my, my ex-husband, Les Brown, started to talking about, you know, I think it would be great if you did your book. And he had a book out at the time. And he was the one that introduced me to Jan Miller, who eventually became my agent. And uh, Jan was just all the time in my ear. We got to do your book. We got to do your book. Here's Jan. We got to do your book. Okay. <laughs> so I said, yeah, Jan, right. So I, I decided to do my book.
1: But once you'd started it, I mean, once, well, it takes on a life of its own once you start the writing and the, and the researching and the putting down of memories on paper, and there there were moments of pain. You've had some difficult times in your life. Were there times when you th- said, what was I thinking? I can't do this. Absolutely. I mean, none of us are perfect. And
0: I'm sort of, in a way, and maybe that's why I haven't maybe felt like I was with the in crowd in our, in our industry for a while, but... I don't know. I'm a private person to a degree. Uh, Not that I do bad things, you know, intentional bad things. It's just that I'm not a perfect person. And when I come to you saying that I want to connect with you, my spirit is saying I want to uplift your life. I want to be something positive in your life, so I wouldn't come to you saying, look, I'm having a hard time feeding my kids, or I'm having a hard time getting to work, leaving my kids going 3,000 miles away, or I'm having a hard time with just growing up myself, you know, and finding a way to have a mate in my life and to do it properly. So I don't bring those things to you publicly. I just live that life privately. And that was the difficult part for me, I think, in, in writing this book was eventually bringing you my pain.
1: But there's also the glory. I mean, there's, there's, Absolutely. you've had, oh, you've had some, you were, you were, you were making my pulse start to race as <laughs> I was reading
0: this book. <laughs> <laughs> I've been so blessed. Yet next year I celebrate my 50th year in this industry. And there is no way I could have done that without Heavenly Father's blessings and the support of the wonderful human resources that He's given me. People. I could not have done it, it's impossible.
1: You know, when when you stop and think, I mean, the stories that you tell in the book—cutting your tongue with a knife, yeah, almost cutting your tongue off with a knife. I'm telling
0: you, I was looking at this picture. See, you can still see Mm -hmm. the the little stitches marks when I really open my mouth.
1: (laughs) The night the night that you asked God to take your voice away from you. Yeah, when I think about that, I think, oh,
0: how could you be so ridiculous? But that's what young people do sometimes. They just don't think. They don't realize. They don't look around count their blessings as we do when we grow physically and spiritually and mature. Um, And it was kind of getting in the way of my skating. I wanted to go roller skating. Okay, I couldn't find my skates. When I found my skates, the gang was gone. And my mom was kind of one of those parents. She didn't let us just go do anything. Even though it may have been the norm for the rest of the kids, my mom didn't play the rest of the kids' game, you know. She just didn't do it. And, and I, I didn't like that uh, 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 with
1: her sometimes. Would you be who you are today, where you are today, if not for your family? Oh
0: no. Oh no. That was another one of my blessings. I'm telling you today, there is something that is so missing in our society is the support factor that we used to have with each other. Even doing segregation in the old days. You still had your families as a support thing. The family structure has been so destroyed. With our society coming as it is, needing that two-income family and the woman going out of the home, I do believe that we were created with certain roles in mind, with the woman being in the home as a nurturer. Now okay, the feminist groups are going to jump all over me, okay? But we do have a role to play here in raising our children, giving giving them that temperance that they need in their lives so that they won't be all edge and hard and that kind of thing.
1: Now, by extension, is that why, you talk about in your, in your book about why performers, black performers in in particular these yes. days, are not as supportive of each other as they were when you were young and, and right. just beginning in the business. Is, is, a, is that an extension of the fact that the family has broken down? I believe so. Because they don't know how to be.
0: I mean, we don't just come across these things. This this whole creation was designed with things in mind. The family structure was designed, was is there for a reason. And we forget these things sometimes in the name of progress or in the name of creating other things in our society. So we, they don't know how to network. They, nobody's telling them, hey, you need to care about your brother and your sister over there. You need to pass on that information. Why reinvent the wheel? See, I have information I can give young people in the industry, but they're making so much money now. They don't want to hear from me. Yeah
1: success is not a zero-sum solution. If Uh you have success, that doesn't take success away from somebody else. Thank you
0: very much. (laughs) You just said the whole thing in a nutshell. That's what it's all about. I can't write your story. You can't sing my song. Even with people in the same industry, I can't sing Patty's song or Aretha's song or Diana's song. That's only meant for them, you see. And we all have a place here, a contribution to make.
1: Let me ask you, in the limited time that I have, I want to hit on a couple of the anecdotes. Okay. You and the pips are the ones who discovered the Jackson five.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know what? And actually, and I'm going to be just tell you the story like it is. I wish, and I, 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 I wish that I had had the power to really, really make a difference in their lives. All I could do was reach out to someone to say, take a look here. These guys need some attention here. We were with Motown at the time, and unfortunately, we didn't have the power at Motown to really get someone to move their little behinds and come see about this act. And there were other people that deserve that credit as well as we do. It was a conglomerate of people, Bobby Taylor, Mm -hmm. other people that saw them, and eventually he got a tape on them and took it to the company. And finally, someone thought to pay some attention. And when they did come to the company and they found out how really wonderful and extraordinary they were, they came up with this wonderful marketing idea of coupling them with Diana Ross. Okay? I think that was a stroke of genius, to tell the truth. She was hot as hot could be. Everybody loves Diana. Okay? And her word then had power to say, Look at this group. This is my little Michael. This is this. So they paid attention. Subsequently, the guys did it on their own because if they did not have the talent, I don't care what Diana or Barry Gordy or I or anyone else said, they would not have been the success that they eventually became.
1: Sure, you can get them in the door, but you can't sell the right Absolutely.
0: <laughs> they just needed some attention.
1: I was also fascinated the story that you're telling here about how close we came to hearing you sing The Midnight Plane to Houston. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let me tell you, <laughs> when I got that song, I knew it was something special about that song. But you know how you get it into even situations, it don't feel quite right. Mm-hmm. And the guys and I, we were going through these, this stack of material, trying to get our stuff ready for our album. And we came across this song, and it said Midnight Plain to Houston. And it came from Jim Weatherly, who had done a couple of other things with us. Mm-hmm. So we knew Jim's, we- Jim's songs were going to be of a certain quality. Okay. So we looked at this song and we said, hmm, we like the way the storyline goes and and the melody to the song is great. And we started singing it, just throwing it back and forth. And it just don't feel right. And we just kept playing with it. Now all of a sudden, midnight plane to Houston. We don't fly. You know, in those days we were driving driving everywhere. It's the truth, it's a true story. We were driving everywhere. We didn't we didn't fly that much. And so we said, we don't fly, you know, we take the train, and we drive everywhere we go, okay? In Houston, we'd been there a few times, you know, but that's not right. So we came up with, it should be Midnight Train to Georgia. That sounds better. And then we looked at each other. Then we called Jim said, Jim, what do you think about this? We don't feel quite comfortable with this. Can we change some lyrics here? He said, well, yeah, you know, go ahead do whatever you feel. So we changed it and said, what do you think about Midnight Train to Georgia? Mm-hmm. Well, go ahead and do it. Let's see what it come out like. He's leaving, I heard
1: that song yesterday. It was the so most fast. recent time I heard it, mm-hmm. and it never fails to send a chill down my spine. Oh, thank it you. is, it, it, it is perhaps my all-time favorite song. I love that song it is, too. It, it is just, and and, <laughs> and, and 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 honestly, without taking anything away from. Pat Boone uh-huh. or, or anybody else. Uh-huh. If they sang it, it'd be a good song. Yeah. But it wasn't, it, it it's what you put into it. You Aww. and the pips. I mean, it's just, it, you, you put me there every, every single time I hear that song. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm glad you felt my spirit.
1: There's a lot. Oh, there's a lot of heart in what you in what you put in the, all your songs. Right. I mean, there's there's just this, these are not. When, you know, when I hear a Gladys Knight and the Pips song, it's not a song that you record because you had a contract says you had to have one by August thirty first. That's, <laughs> <clears throat> that's song, very true. It's a song that you sang because you wanted to and say something. It.
0: Yes, yeah. and I was concerned about what I was saying, and and when I said it, I had to believe it because if I didn't believe it, I could not make you believe it.
1: Actually, there was, uh, I re- the summer before, mm-hmm. uh, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. Yes. There was, who, there was some country singer, some aging kind of, uh, some, <laughs> some old guy. Yes. I remember, I was a disc, I was, that was my first year as a disc jockey. Yes. And I'm we played, think of and it was, song, it was yes. Ray something or yes. Johnny something and, and it yes. was, it was a good song. Yes, it, was it was kind was. of a slow ballad yes. and he just kind of sang it in his twangy kind of yes. way. <laughs> And I thought that's a good tune.
0: That's a good and song, then, It's a great song. Then I
1: heard your version and it was just yeah. it was like it was like Dorothy going from the black and white of the house into the land of Oz, I know, in Oz.
0: I like that. You know how we got that song? Hmm. And um it it was quite a a fun night that night. We were at this we were in Vegas. We were appearing there. And in those days, talking about networking, we used to go around and see all the other shows that were in town, right? We had friends appearing on the strip, okay? And we got a chance to know some of the greats. Danny Thomas was one of them, okay, and um, Danny was playing at the Sands that night, and we knew him and his wife, Rosie, okay, and we went to the show that night, and I was sitting kind of like down front, and Danny's doing his thing, and he looks out in the audience, he said, hey, Gladys, I said, hey, Danny, how you doing, he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, he stopped his show, he said, you know what, I got a song for you, now he's on stage, he said, I got a song for you, I said, you have? Now we're holding a conversation. He said, yeah. He said, matter of fact, it's Rosie's favorite song. I'm going to sing it for you right now. He sung the song. He said, see me after the stage, uh, after the show. And I went backstage. He gave us this song. He said, you like that song? I said, I love that song. He said, why don't you do it? I said, we will. That's how we got Best Thing That Ever Happened. Because you're the best thing. Also, I want to get the message out that one of the reasons I wrote this book so that young people, I want to reestablish for us, those of us who are at a a different, were from a different time, that we must recreate our credibility. And the young people are so brilliant these days and they've lost so much faith in us. We need to tell our stories and we need to let them know that we're imperfect and that we've made some mistakes along the way with them and for ourselves so that we can reestablish that credibility and start communicating again.
1: Gladys Knight is now 76 years old and you can find easy Amazon links to Gladys Knight's book and her music at heardeverything.com. Have you subscribed yet to now I've heard everything. You sure won't want to miss any of our upcoming episodes. We post new ones Monday, Wednesday and Friday, and you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on now I've heard everything. We'll mark the 50th anniversary of the premiere of all in the family with my 1998 interview with Archie Bunker himself, Carol O'Connor. was Archie never laughed at anything.
0: He, he's never, he never found anything funny. Everything
1: He found everything serious. He found the most minor issue something of utter seriousness. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson.